Okay, I thought we should start the show today with this headline from the Babylon Bee, which reads, and I quote, rat colony beneath DC disgusted to find city infested with politicians. <laughs> the picture that comes with this, of this little rat peeping over the pipe just slayed me. I picture it like looking at Nancy Pelosi and looking at AOC and just, you know, scurrying back into its pipes. And the reason that we're going to start the show with this headline, with this article, well, you will see the reason in just a second. I'm Liz Wheeler. Welcome to the Liz Wheeler Show. So my favorite thing about Cozy Earth sheets is how fresh and how clean and how crisp they feel when you climb into bed. Now, what makes Cozy Earth different is the sheets keep feeling this fresh and this clean even after the first night. Why? Well, because the wrong sheets can trap body heat, leaving you boiling one minute and freezing the next. Not so with Cozy Earth. I like Cozy Earth sheets because they provide the softest, most luxurious, and best temperature regulating sheets on the planet. It's like sleeping on a cloud. I literally have them on my bed right now. They are so delightful. They are made from bamboo, which means that Cozy Earth sheets breathe. So you sleep at the perfect temperature all year round. Cozy Earth even offers a 100-night sleep trial, which means you have up to 100 nights to sleep on it, wash it, try it out. If you are not completely in love, you can send it back for a full refund. And you can now save 35% on Cozy Earth Bamboo, betting 35%. That's a good deal right there. Use my URL. Just go to CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. Hurry up, the offer ends soon. That is CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. CozyEarth.com slash L-I-Z-3-5 to get 35% off Cozy Earth Bamboo Bedding. CozyEarth.com slash Liz35. Okay, so rats are infesting Washington, D.C., or the rats that are underneath Washington, D.C. see the infestation of politicians. So speaking of the Babylon Bee, aside from just being hilarious, um, Elon Musk did not just buy 9.2% of Twitter. He's the largest individual shareholder. I understand that BlackRock Vanguard actually own about a third of the company. But as an individual, Elon Musk is the largest shareholder. Uh, the CEO of Twitter announced that Elon Musk would also be on the board of Twitter, which I found to be very interesting. In fact, his tweet. I, I laughed when I read the tweet from the CEO, because remember this guy, he, this, this Parag Agarwal, who is the new CEO of Twitter, he replaced Jack Dorsey. He's the same dude who assured the company that free speech is not what they were all about. They were about creating certain environments and facilitating conversations with agendas, that free speech was low on their priority list, low on the totem pole of priorities. And so this is what he tweeted, and it made me laugh. He tweeted, I'm excited to share that we are appointing Elon Musk to our board through conversations with Elon in recent weeks, it has become clear to us that he would bring great value to our board. I read this and I thought, oh, what a load of BS. This is, this is, this is the worst corporate speak that I've ever heard. He is not excited to welcome Elon Musk to the board. No, what happened here is Elon Musk bought a large enough share of Twitter that the wokesters at Twitter behind the scene freaked out. They thought, oh my gosh, Elon Musk, who has openly criticized Twitter, who doesn't like the censorship, who is, you know, friends with people like, who was friends with people like Alex Berenson, who Twitter banned, absolutely. They don't want Elon Musk to buy them out. They don't want him to have a controlling 
a controlling majority portion of ownership of Twitter. And so I'm sure what happened behind the scenes is these people like Parag Agarwal thought, oh my gosh, we have to do something to stop Elon Musk from buying up the rest of Twitter. And so that's what they did. They they made an agreement with Elon Musk. This is according to Fox News. Twitter Incorporated said in a Tuesday SEC filing that the company entered into an agreement with Musk on Monday that he will be appointed to the board of directors with the term expiring at its 2024 annual meeting of stockholders. Per the agreement, Musk cannot either alone or as a member of a group, own more than 14.9% of the company's common stock while serving as a member of the board and for 90 days after. That, my friends, is why Elon Musk is on the board of Twitter. And this should be a good thing. You know I'm a skeptic. You know that (laughs) I, I was born doubting. I was born questioning. And that is, that, is, um, that is what I will continue to do till the day I die. So color me a little bit skeptical. I know that Twitter is going to try to exert their influence over Elon Musk in the board meeting. And I want it to be the reverse. I want Elon Musk to exert his influence. But evidently this happened. All of this happened because of the Babylon Bee. As I said, this has to do with the Babylon Bee. All of this happened because the Babylon Bee. It's no secret that Elon Musk is a fan of the Babylon Bee. He would retweet them. He said that. He even went on the podcast. He went on Seth Dillon's podcast on the Babylon Bee. And the Babylon Bee is currently suspended from Twitter. They're locked out of their account because they refuse to delete the tweet in which they call Rachel Levine, the transgender individual, born a man, spent 50 years as a man, now identifies as a female, the first female you know, three, four, five-star admiral in the Biden administration, some garbage, some ridiculous garbage. And they won't delete the tweet. It violates Twitter's terms of service. The tweet was um, making fun of USA Today's Women of the Year because Rachel Levine, the man, was listed as a woman of the year. Babylon B said that Rachel Levine won the Babylon B's Man of the Year award. They refused to kowtow, so they're locked out of their account. Uh, evidently, Elon Musk called Seth Dillon, the CEO of the Babylon Bee, and said, is this true? Are you actually suspended from your account? Seth said, yes, we are. And here's why. Here's the message. Here's the receipts. And in that phone call with Seth Dillon, Elon Musk said, well, maybe I'll have to buy Twitter. This was reportedly a week ago. Well, fast forward a week. And that's exactly that's exactly what, <laughs> what he's doing is he's buying up at least part of Twitter. So he's on the board. He said he's going, this is his response. This is Musk's response to Agarwal's welcoming him to the board. Musk says, looking forward to working with Parag and Twitter board to make significant improvements to Twitter in the coming months. Um, Yesterday, I'm not going to repeat myself here, but yesterday I made a to-do list for Elon Musk, how he can improve Twitter, how he can revamp the problematic aspects of Twitter. And we talked about exactly how important it is to save Twitter from themselves, not because they deserve it as a company, but because Twitter plays an enormously important role in covering up the corruption of politicians in Washington, D.C. And um, Twitter, for better or for worse, is where political discussions, political narratives are set. It's an enormously powerful apparatus in politics. So to just to have conservatives just leave Twitter because they're censoring, um, and I'm talking about voluntarily leaving Twitter, would not be would not be the best solution. Saving Twitter and making Twitter or re- restoring Twitter back to what they used to be would be the best thing to happen. And I pray that Elon Musk can do just that. But this is, this is the power, by the way of the Babylon Bee. Never let it be said that writing five or six or seven satire articles every day is uh, is useless, isn't hard work. They are changing the world one satire argument at a time. 
But um, going back to the, their original headline about this, this infestation, the rat colony beneath D.C., disgusted to find the city infested with politicians. In Washington, D.C. right now, we see this happening. So um, a conservative radio host by the name of Amber Athey, I have known, I have personally known Amber Athey for years and years. She has, I've interviewed her dozens of times, dozens, probably even more than that, probably 50 times. I have interviewed Amber Athey. She is a young conservative. She's a couple years younger than me. I don't know her exact age, but I would guess she's in her late 20s. And she's unafraid to challenge the status quo. She is unafraid to criticize even people in our own party. She is a good reporter. She's sharp. She's smart. She's professional. She's been fired from her job as a radio show host. Yep. She was fired um, a couple weeks ago, although she just announced it publicly this week. She was fired because during the State of the Union address, which, you know, hopefully we watched together. Hopefully you were part of our live stream where we, where we, um, simultaneously analyzed and mocked Joe Biden's State of the Union. You remember behind Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, vice president, in just the ugliest suit that has ever walked the face of the earth, this hideous, ugly brown color. It is an ugly color in and of itself. It's also an unflattering color. It was just ugly fashion. It it was gross. It was not attractive. Well, and by the way, about a billion people on Twitter had the same take. Nobody liked that suit. Everyone thought it was ugly. Well, Amber sent out this tweet making fun of Kamala Harris's suit. She said, and I quote, Kamala looks like a UPS employee. What can Brown do for you? Nothing good, apparently. Now, this is a joke. I thought it was a pretty funny joke. I mean, it's not like Babylon be funny, no offense, Amber, but it's not, it's not like as dumb as Chris Rock's joke about Jada. Like it's a good play on the old UPS slogan. So she sent out this tweet. It got, you know, a little bit of interaction that night. Nothing, kind of neither here nor there. And I, I, this is pertinent to the story, how much engagement it got. Fast forward a couple of days and Amber is critical of the transgender agenda. She spoke, actually, she spoke out against um, the protests that were happening at the University of North Texas. The University of North Texas was protesting in favor of the transgender ideology. She, Amber, was very critical of that, as she should be. Transgender ideology is against biology. They are anti-science. They are authoritarian. They reject objective truth. They are not, it's not healthcare, not medical care, and it's not curative of gender dysphoria. Well, Amber spoke out against this protest and lo and behold, these same individuals who were pushing or propagating the transgender ideology start coming after her. And they, they look through her Twitter account as wokesters tend to do when they're engaging in cancel culture to try to find something to use against you. Well, they found this tweet of Amber's. They found this tweet and they decided that this tweet was racist. They just decided it was racist. So they start tweeting to her and then they start tweeting to her employer, accusing Amber of being racist towards Kamala Harris. Now, again, based off just this tweet, I'm going to read it to you again. Kamala looks like a UPS employee. Dash, what can Brown do for you? Nothing good, apparently. That's the tweet. That's all that there was to it. So the inference here from her employer, so let me actually rephrase that. Not just the inference. Her employer then telephoned Amber. She works for a radio station. She was part of O'Connor and Company, um, that, that show. And at WMAL, 
And that's owned by Cumulus Media. Cumulus Media executives called Amber on the phone to let her know that they were firing her because of a racist tweet. They did not listen to her explain that this was not a racist tweet. This was a play on UPS's old slogan, what can Brown do for you? They fired her. The um, the executives at WMAL, that radio station, had no say in it. It was just the, it was just the Cumulus executives and that was that. That was a done deal. She was gone. They took her off of the radio station entirely, not just her job, but all of her her name and her photograph and everything. They just, they they canceled her completely without giving her any explanation. Now, I, I, I obviously asked her, I said, okay, um, the inference here by your employer, their justification for firing you is their inference is that your tweet assumes that you meant brown like Kamala Harris's skin color. Um, when And I asked her, when you sent this tweet, did you mean brown with any double meaning related to Kamala Harris's skin color? Or were you just referencing her clothes? And this is exactly what Amber said to me. She said, um, of course not. The tweet was solely about her outfit. Otherwise, you have to read racist intent into the first part of the tweet where I say Kamala looked like a UPS employee as well. I don't know anyone who would assume that only brown people can be UPS employees. And the what can brown do for you company slogan for the historically referred only to the uniforms. That's how I was using it. That makes perfect sense to me. I mean, you'd have to be, you'd have to read racism into, into this tweet where it doesn't exist to make the accusation or the accusation of racism here, which is what her employer did. Again, her employer did not give her a chance to explain this. Now, a couple of things. First of all, this is, this is obviously egregious cancel culture. Um, this is not a racist joke by, by any standard here. It's, it's not a racist joke. If you look at the textual part of this of this tweet if you just look at each and every word and how it's combined this is not this is not a racist joke um this is however critical race theory now i'm not talking about amber's tweet being critical race theory theory that's clearly not the case but this is critical race theory being practiced by or the principles of critical race theory being practiced by amber's now former employer and what i mean by that is critical race theory the crux of it is inventing racism where it doesn't exist. Because remember the idea, we're gonna, we're gonna journey back for just a second, but bear with me because this is, this is important, I think. The, the crux or the grandfather of critical race theory is critical theory. Critical theory is this, this Marxist um, academic theory posited by the, Mar- the Marxists at the Frankfurt School. And critical theory was a, a tactic or a tool, even more than a theory. It was supposed to be used as a way to tear down Western institutions. And the reason that, that Marxists wanted to tear down Western institutions was obviously to then impose Marxism. But the way that this worked was through relentless criticism of institutions, those institutions could be toppled or brought down or destroyed. And this, this is, it, it's, it's similar the goal is similar to Karl Marx's version of Marxism, where he wanted the workers to revolt against the current institutions. Well, critical theory says, okay, well, if the workers aren't going to do the job, we're going to do the job through relentless criticism. Now, it was then harnessed, critical theory was then harnessed into critical race theory, where these Marxists used um, racial divide or even minorities. They tried to use the Black Lives Matter movement, for example, to criticize institutions, to criticize America's legitimacy, to say, you know, the 1619 Project, is America actually legitimate? Or is the fundamental, the core part of America built on racism and slavery? And so this is the, this is the, this is the principle of critical race theory. This is how the left wants us to view everything. They want us to view everything, not just through the lens of race, but they want us to read race and read racism 
into everything, even where it doesn't exist. And this is a perfect example of that. There is no racism in a tweet that says, Kamala looks like a UPS employee. What can Brown do for you? Nothing good, apparently. There's no racism in that. But because Kamala Harris is a woman of color, the left is weaponizing critical race theory to try to take down conservatives. This should not be overlooked. This is a big deal. This is, this is why when the left says, oh, critical race theory isn't taught to children, critical race theory is never taught in school, it's just a, a law theory that's, that's discussed and analyzed by law students, that's a complete lie. It's a complete lie because the principles of critical race theory are actually a worldview. A worldview, and that's what we're seeing right now. And what's even worse than this worldview being applied to innocent people who are unfairly being canceled is the fact that the corporate executives at Cumulus Media actually profit off of people like Amber. Now here's why I like ExpressVPN. Every time you connect to an unencrypted internet network, whether you're at a cafe, hotel, airport, any hacker on the same network can gain access to your personal data. I'm talking your passwords, your financial details, and it doesn't take much technical knowledge to hack you. Just some cheap hardware is needed. Pretty much a smart 12-year-old could do it. Your data is valuable. Hackers can make up to $1,000 per person selling your personal information on the dark web. That's why you need ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN protects you by creating a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so hackers cannot steal your sensitive data. It's super secure. It would take a hacker with a supercomputer over a billion years to get past ExpressVPN's encryption. It's also easy to use. You just fire up the app and click one button to get protected. It also works on all devices, phones, laptops, tablets, and more, so you can stay secure on the go. That's personally why I like ExpressVPN, because I don't have to worry about my identity being stolen or my family's safety and security online. So secure your data online today by visiting expressvpn.com slash Liz. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Liz, and you can get an extra three months free, expressvpn.com slash Liz. So canceling someone for a tweet that wasn't racist, accusing them of being racist is egregious enough. But to see this, this, this critical race theory worldview applied should show us exactly how critical it is that we stamp out this, this racialized Marxism before it has, it has taken hold. Because the goal of this, of course, the goal of racialized Marxism, the goal of critical race theory is to create a racial divide to the point where people like Amber aren't even allowed to speak without losing their jobs over an innocuous tweet. It is to stop conservatives from speaking. It is to make sure that only Marxists have control by sparking this, this, this worldview where you have to read racism into anyone's comments or behavior, even where it doesn't exist. Because otherwise, there's no way, you're, there's no way they're going to be able to take out um, law enforcement or our criminal justice system, or the Senate, or the Electoral College, or voter ID, unless you read racism into an institution where it doesn't exist. They're doing this across the board, reading racism into places where it doesn't exist, and they're counting on conservatives really not having the guts to, to speak out against this. Sure, we'll speak out against it when it's taught to our children blatantly in school, when our little kids are told, you're racist because you're white or you're oppressed because you're black. But when it's applied in society, especially to adults, they're counting on conservatives being too nervous to wade into this debate for fear of being labeled racist ourselves or for fear of defending someone who said something edgy. No, no, 
That's 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 the improper worldview for conservatives. We must defend against defend people. Amber's just an example of this, by the way. But we must defend anybody against being attacked by um, the principles of critical race theory. And by the way, it's also just disgusting how the cumulus media executives literally profit off of people like Amber and then throw them under the bus for, um, well, for nothing, for for the critical race theory ideology. So the CEO of Cumulus Media, his name's Mary Berner. She made six and a half million dollars last year, which I don't begrudge her. I'm not against people being wealthy. I'm not against people making fat paychecks. That's great. Congratulations on your successful career. What I am against is people like Mary Berner firing Amber Athey well, over a false accusation when Mary Berner could have done her due diligence. She could have brought up Amber's tweet. She could have read the tweet. She could have said, wait, who are the people that are making the accusations of racism? She could have seen that it was these people who disagreed about the transgender ideology, disagreed with Amber about the transgender ideology. And instead of wanting to have a debate with Amber, they levied false, despicable, racist attacks against Amber and went directly to Amber's employer to make these false allegations. Mary Berner could have said, Amber, I see that these people are levying a false attack against you, but let me just clarify, did you mean Kamala's skin color or did you mean Kamala's clothes? And Amber would have said, oh my God, I meant Kamala's clothes because this was a play on UPS uniforms and UPS's old slogan, and that should have been it. But this woman didn't. She makes six and a half million dollars because she profits off of people like Amber. Their hard work, their wit, their investigative journalism, their punditry, obviously there's a market for it. So Mary Berner profits and then throws Amber under the bus when a bunch of woke activists are applying, using critical race theory as a weapon to take her out. And that, as you can see, this is something that um, should fire all of us up. It's also something, by the way, we could fix. It's, it's similar in a sense to what happened at the NCAA championship when Leah Thomas, the male who identifies as female, won the NCAA championship depriving women of their of their opportunity to achieve and to to uh, their opportunity to actually attain these titles um, because because this this man born will Thomas decided to identify as a woman Leah Thomas and these girls I understand why the other swimmers didn't want to boycott I do understand that they have worked their whole career to get to the pinnacle of their collegiate career they're at the NCAA championships they don't want to get that give that up they don't want to hurt their job prospects after they graduate they don't want to be bullied by fellow students on campus. They don't want to lose their scholarship. They don't want the school administrators to come after them. I get all that. At the same time, they could have stopped Leah Thomas if they all boycotted. And we all know that. All the girls would have had to do is stand up on those blocks. All they would have had to do is not show up for the finals. We know that this could have been stopped and they didn't. And the same is actually true. The other hosts on this show, Amber was part of a show called O'Connor and Company. And there, there's a bunch of hosts on this show. It's a, it's a, it's a roundtable type of show. Larry O'Connor, Patrice um, Anwuka, Julie Gunlock, these, these different individuals, that can, they can walk out. This could be fixed in a second um, by, by dead air, by a show that is started and then started with an introduction and then ended with silence. This could be fixed. So um, this is, and I, I, I know that that's a risk, but it's the right thing to do, is it not? It's the right thing to do when someone's been unfairly targeted, when they are the victim of cancel culture. It's the right thing to do, not just to um, be supportive verbally on Twitter. It's the right thing to do to to end this, to end this. And I think that these hosts could easily fix this so that it doesn't happen, so that it doesn't happen to other people. This, by the way, this, by the way, this is Washington, D.C. This radio show airs in Washington, D.C. So think about that Babylon Bee article. Think about 
The headline, a rat colony beneath DC disgusted to find a city infested with politicians. Politicians who support Marxist racialism like critical race theory, which is the tool the radical left uses to take out people like Amber Athey. Um, Also in Washington, DC, Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney. Murkowski from Alaska, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins. These three Republicans say that they will vote to confirm Katanji Brown Jackson to the Supreme Court. Now, gentlemen, you know that your wives use your razor when you're not looking. I do this to my husband, of course, don't we all? And likewise, we ladies know our husbands use our skincare products when we are not looking. Hey, it's fair. All's fair in love and war. So let me introduce you to Genucel. Begs and puffiness under the eyes are a problem for millions of American men and women until now. Introducing the new Genucel Serum with plant stem cell technology for under eye bags and puffiness. Let me show you my two favorite products that I keep handy dandy. Will you look at that sitting right by my desk? What a coincidence. Um, Here we have the anti-wrinkle treatment, which (laughs) the purpose is obvious. I don't need to tell you what this is for. And then we have the immediate effects too. The immediate effects too um, is perhaps the most magical product of all my favorite product because you will see results in the first 12 hours or you will get your money back. How's that for a deal? I guarantee it. If you order now, you can save big on Genucel's risk-free introductory offer. Just go to genucel.com slash Liz. Let me spell it for you. It's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com, genucel.com slash Liz. You have to use my URL and my promo code. If you order now and use my special promo code, Liz, L-I-Z, you will save an extra 10% off your order today. So go to genucel.com slash Liz and look up the anti-wrinkle treatment and the immediate effects too. You will be glad you did. Jennycell.com slash Liz. Okay, so speaking of the rats that infest Washington, D.C., let's talk about Romney. Romney, by the way, I have voted for Romney for president, I think three times. I voted for him in the primary in 2008. He did not win then. I voted for him in the primary in 2012. He did win. And then I voted for him in the general election and he lost, obviously, to Obama. So uh, if that doesn't leave a sour taste in your mouth, I don't know what does. Romney should not even call himself a Republican at this point. I, I do not understand these politicians who claim to be conservative, who claim to be Republican. Um, they say they're going to vote for Katanji Brown Jackson. Listen, Katanji Brown Jackson refuses to define the word woman. I'm not a biologist, she says. She refuses to define the, the word woman. Now, this is not just woke virtue signaling to the transgender lobby. This is actually a disqualifier for a judge because think about sexual discrimination lawsuits. How is she going to analyze and determine whether someone has standing if she can't even determine their gender, if she can't even determine if they are a woman because she can't define a woman? This is disqualifying. She was on the board of a school that teaches preschoolers, kindergartners, critical race theory with Ibram Kendi's anti-racist baby. Remember, Ibram Kendi thinks that literal babies can be racist. They're actual baby. He thinks that my daughter, 14 months, is old enough to be racist. This is being taught to children and she is on the board of this school. Um, Between 47 and 57, her, her sentences, I should say, when she has the discretion over sentencing, child porn offenders, people who have been convicted of consuming and distributing child pornography, the sexual torture of babies and toddlers, her sentences, when she has discretion over these sentences, are 47 to 57% more lenient than the national average. So you have this spectrum. The most lenient, the harshest, 
the average sentence, and hers is way over here, 47 to 57% less, more lenient than the national average. That's not normal. That's not a tiny, that's not margin of error. That's not a window of acceptability. That's majorly problematic. She also doesn't have a position, she says. I do not have a position on whether people possess natural rights. You know, just the underpinning of our entire country, the underpinning of our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution. This woman is unfit for the Supreme Court of the United States. It has nothing to do with her gender. It has nothing to do with her skin color. It has to do with her ideology. She is unfit. Senator Mitt Romney, Senator Lisa Murkowski, Senator Susan Collins know this. You know better than to vote for this one. I, I don't understand what the F is wrong with Republicans who could possibly vote to confirm her. I, I do not understand. In fact, Senator Tim Scott said, th th this, was, this was a quote, this is wisdom in the sentence. This is how you handle the left when they are trying to use race and guilt you into voting for a radical leftist based on her race and her gender. Senator Tim Scott had the perfect response. He said, quote, the historic nature of Judge Jackson's nomination reinforces the progress our country has made. However, ideology must be the determining factor, not identity, end quote. That, my friends, is how you handle Katanji Brown Jackson's nomination. Yes, you can acknowledge that we have made incredible progress in our nation to the point where a black woman can be nominated for this position. And then you say, well, is she qualified? Is her ideology in line with what we want our country to be? Does she actually adhere to the constitution and science and law and morality? And when you determine, as is in the case with Katanji Brown Jackson, that the answer to those questions is no, you vote no, and you don't vote to confirm her to the Supreme Court of the United States. Again, I don't know what is wrong with Romney, but he's acting more like a Democrat than a Republican. Not only is he gonna confirm Katanji Brown Jackson, he voted against repealing Biden's TSA mask mandate, the forcing us to wear masks on airplanes. He refused, he didn't even show up. He was absent. He was a truant during the vote that would have defunded Biden's vaccine mandate. I mean, come on, this is like textbook authoritarianism and a Republican doesn't even show up because he doesn't, he doesn't want to go on record about what his position is because he doesn't want to be held accountable one way or the other. So he just, he just doesn't show up. He hides out. What a coward, what a chicken. And then he accuses Tulsi Gabbard of treason because she called out the bioweapons labs that the U.S. funds in Ukraine, that the U.S. admits, the Department of Defense admits that they have partnered with in Ukraine. And Mitt Romney calls her a traitor because she opposes the war in Ukraine and because she called out the U.S. funding, the U.S. Department of Defense, the Pentagon funding these bioweapons labs. I don't know what is wrong with this guy. We have to, we have to elect an actual conservative to that, that Senate position. But this, of course, He's one of the rats, the rats, or I guess not the rats. He's one of the uh, disgusting politicians that the rat colony beneath DC, according to the Babylon Bee, were so disgusted to find the city infested, infested with swamp creatures, just like, just like Mitt Romney, like Murkowski, and like, like Susan Collins. This is the reality of Washington, DC, right? This is the reality of Washington, DC. You can be fired from your job if you're a conservative radio host for a tweet that is not racist if some transgender activists who oppose um, your viewpoints on freedom, on liberty, on biology, on science, on transgenderism, if they oppose that and they, they tattle to your employer, they invent racism where it doesn't exist and your employer fires you, that can happen in Washington, D.C. Um, at the same time, 
this woman, Ketanji Brown Jackson, thanks to Republicans, Republicans, is now going to be most likely on the Supreme Court of the United States. And it's it's truly disgusting, truly disgusting to see. I will be speaking in Washington, D.C. to try to combat a little bit of this, this swampiness. I will be speaking on April 22nd at the Young America's Foundation's Faith and Freedom Conference. That conference is on the 22nd and the 23rd. Um, uh, you can, you can get a discount if you want to use my promo code. If you want to come hear me speak, it's going to be great. You can use my promo code. It is Liz. Just go to LizWheelerShow.com slash YAFCON. LizWheelerShow.com slash YAFCON. Obviously a little abbreviation there for YAF conference. Promo code Liz and, uh, you can get a discount to get a ticket to come see me. That will be on April. I think I speak April 22nd, but the conference is the 22nd and the 23rd. We're also going to head on over to Locals for a special VIPs only segment talking about a Facebook fact check on, well, you'll never guess. This is going to come as a huge surprise. Facebook slapped a fact check on claims in my pediatrician article about vaccines. So we're going to talk about that over on um, Locals, Liz Wheeler Show community. It's lizwheelershow.com slash locals. If you use my promo code access, then you can get your first month free and you can come on over. You can hear what we're going to talk about and you um, will get your first month free on an annual subscription. That is lizwheelershow.com slash locals, promo code access. Thank you for watching today. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is the Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of Photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of Marketing, Emily Washler. Production and Talent Coordinator, Matt Toffler. And Senior Publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.